Hey friends, Jason Miller here. This past Sunday in our gatherings at Southland City Church, we opened up a conversation with our community about some questions we've been asking regarding the way that we rent our current home and whether we want to own a home as a church family. And so if you listen to this episode, and I hope you will, uh, you'll hear the way that we were thinking about that. And you'll hear a particular possibility that we have considered about a place that we might end up buying and renovating for our future. Uh, as you're listening, it'll probably become clear to you that we had some visual resources that we used in the gathering to show this opportunity. And if you'd like to see that in video form, just reach out to us at info at southpincitychurch.com. Uh, send an email there at info at southpincitychurch.com, and we'll be happy to give you access to a video version of this presentation. Uh, as you listen, I hope that you are praying with us and helping us discern. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, questions, concerns, hopes, or wisdom, you can also email info at southpincitychurch.com and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Southland City Church. My name is Jason. Uh, we're honored that you are here, especially if you're new. It's very brave to walk into a new church, so well done, and you've made it this far. Um, we want to uh, share some stuff about the life of our church today that we're really excited about. Uh, when I get into that, if you're new, uh, it might feel like a strange day to be here because it's just kind of like, like family business stuff. But first of all, you're part of the family whether you like it or not, so welcome. Secondly, um, what I hope when we get into it, you'll, you'll take away is um, at least hopefully you'll get a sense of some of our character or some of our aspirations as a community, which is not a bad way to get to know a community that you're, you're encountering, right? Um, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I want to remind you that with the exception of today, we're working through the Sermon on the Mount right now, which is Jesus's teachings in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, where Jesus seems to be quite convinced that God wants to actually like live God's life in us, which is a beautiful and kind of striking gift. And so we're, we're working through the picture of that that Jesus gives us in that sermon. Uh, if you missed the last two weeks, catch it on the podcast. And the reason I say that is because everything we do after that in the Sermon on the Mount in the next few weeks and months is, is really built on the opening frame that we tried to create the last two weeks. And so if you want to sort of not jump into the middle of the season, like make sure you catch the first two episodes uh, to be aware of how we framed all of that. So that's on the podcast. Um, by the way, big shout out to the third through fifth graders that are here with us in the gathering this morning. Very excited to have some of the kids from Kids Ministry joining us here. Do you want to say welcome to the kids? Yeah. And then two quick updates before we get to the main matter at hand. First of all, Studebaker Talks is happening in just a couple of weeks right here in this room on Friday night, October 8th. Uh, Southland City Church, along with some other partners, are putting on Studebaker Talks. Yeah, we can throw that on the screen for us here. And... Uh, this is going to be at 6.30 p.m. on Friday, October 8th. Uh, doors open before that. Uh, we're going to feature uh, stories of South Bend's people, ingenuity, and progress here. And it's a little bit TED Talk style with some social engagement around it, too, and we'd love to welcome you. We're selling tickets, and we're already headed for a full house, but we want to make sure that you can be a part of it, too. Tickets are $15 for adults and $5 for people 18 and under. Net proceeds for the event will go to the South Bend Community Foundation, Education Foundation, sorry, South Bend Education Foundation, uh, so that we can use uh, the proceeds to help out in some ways that matter in the city. But this is a great chance to hear some stories that you may not hear otherwise, to get some snapshots from different sectors in the life of our city and some of the leaders that are shaping those sectors. And then on top of the actual content from the stage, there'll be a social afterwards where you can hang out with other people who are curious about the same kinds of things. Uh, I'm really, really excited about this and really proud of the team that's put it together. And we'd love to see you there on Friday, October 8th. Uh, one other quick update, which is that we told you a while ago that we were hiring uh, a new director for worship and arts here at Southland City Church. 
And what I'm really excited to let you know is we've made a hire, and we are absolutely thrilled at the person who's going to be joining our team in that role. Uh, they, alongside like with Zach and me and the rest of our team, are going to be shaping what happens, especially in these gatherings week to week. And we've found someone that uh, is just coming with a really full toolbox of skills and experiences that are going to help shape that for us. I won't tell you who it is yet, only because they are uh, sequencing some communication where they are right now, and we want to honor that and give them a chance to like, tell the right people at the right time that they're transitioning to life with us here in South Bend. Uh, but they'll be here soon, and we're really looking forward to introducing them. Uh, a lot of you have been praying with us for that hire and that discernment process. A lot of you helped us get the word out and share the opportunity. A number of you helped us do some interviews. Uh, we pulled you in for some conversations uh, with the person that's going to be here. So thank you for all the ways that you've been a part of that process, if you have been, and look forward to that soon. Uh, that's the news. Now before we get to the, uh, the main event, I just want to open it up for a minute and hear from you. Uh, let's put this word on the screen home. I wonder what that word evokes for you, like what it, what it calls up in you when you hear it or when you see it. Anybody want to share? Anybody want to speak out for a second? Like what's a word or a feeling that comes to mind when you see the word home? Pajamas. Pajamas. We'll take it. Yes. <laughs> a lot of that in the last 18 months. Am I right? Amen. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Safe place. Safe place. Uh, I heard food and something over here. Food, yes, excellent. Yeah, yeah, very good. Comfort, comfort something. Over. Family, comfort. Safety. Safety. Complicated, yeah, thanks. I bet a lot of us resonate with complicated. Memories. Dysfunction. Dysfunction. Yeah, good. I appreciate all that. It is a complicated word, isn't it? If I say something like welcome home, you might feel like really good about that. If I say far from home, that can be a really painful experience. Uh, for some of us, home has been idealized or, and realized in our lives, right? Like we, may, we came from a sense of home that's been pretty good. For others, maybe home is a place we hoped we would have but have never had in the ways that we wanted. Um, maybe you've longed to feel the good things around that word but haven't. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an evocative word, right? Like, whether you feel good when you hear it or not, for many of us, it, it draws up a lot of different feelings. Uh, when South Bend City Church started, we didn't really have a home. We had a few things going for us, but a home was not one of them. So back in 2016, uh, when we were sort of forming as a community, we had things like the mantras, these distillations, these impulses of what we felt called to, things like practices, not performances, or fields, not factories. Uh, we had the book of Acts in the, in the New Testament that we spent like nine months working through together, just asking ourselves week after week, if we're going to be a church, what's a church? And trying to let the story of the book of Acts impress upon us its, its vision for what a church could be. Uh, we, had, we had the generosity of all kinds of people. We had people who showed up with their energy, with their love, with their talent, with their wisdom, with their advice, with their money. Like all these people who just like jumped in and said, let's do this together and give what we need to give to make this community happen. So we had a lot of things going for us, but we did not have a home early on. And frankly, it wasn't really on our radar when we got started. I mean, like at some point we figured we'd probably have to figure it out. But early on it was like, well, we'll just, we'll just be wherever we need to be, right? And so at the very beginning, like the, the earliest sort of gatherings for South Bend City Church were little in-home dinners with eight or ten people. And I'd like work through my pitch deck and talk about the mantras and we would dream together and pray together and think about what could be. Uh, there was a couple of meetings on the top floor of the Key Bank building in downtown South Bend here in the conference room there at the law firm where we got to like look out over the city and pray about things and dream about things. 
Uh, there was the brick, which became sort of a short-term home for us, where we gathered mostly on Wednesday nights through the fall and the spring. We'd gather up and, like, and do something that looks a little bit like this, but then afterwards we'd open the bar and we'd stay till 11, and we got to know each other that way over a beer and some prayer. Uh, we stayed at the brick until the brick kind of kindly said, hey, um, you know you don't live here, right? <laughs> like, like we don't really do like long-term rentals like this. And so from the brick, we found ourselves moving to the Doubletree Hotel uh, with the conference room area there. And then we moved from the, the Doubletree Hotel to the Century Center. And somewhere along the way, we found out there were underground tunnels in South Bend. Did you know that? <laughs> and we used them for our gear. Uh, and then uh, at Easter, like we were a little bit displaced. And so uh, Kevin Smith, who's actually our partner here in the Studebaker development, really graciously made Union Station available to us. And we went from not having a home for Easter to having like a a really beautiful, unique place to celebrate the resurrection of Christ uh, there that first Easter for Southland City Church. And then we landed here at Studebaker, and Studebaker has been our home. Um, we, uh, we toured it. We walked into this room when it hadn't been updated and hadn't been touched since, like, 1964. And uh, we started dreaming together, and we started getting to know our partner here in the development, and eventually, like, got to make this what it has been for us these last few years. And I don't know about you, but like I've been really grateful for the church to have a home like this. Now, I don't know about your experience with church, but churches and buildings have a complicated relationship. <laughs> and if you've been a part of a church, maybe you have a complicated relationship with churches and buildings. There are some tensions in this relationship that I'm talking about. Uh, there's some practical tensions when it comes to churches and buildings. Like on the upside, some of the good stuff about like a building is like it's kind of nice to not have to set up every week, right? If any of you were like there doing the early setup at Century Center, you know like those were like long, hardworking mornings. At Century Center, actually, we, they were really gracious, and because we were kind of doing things for a while there, they gave us a storage closet in the building so that we could store some of our gear rather than having to put it in a trailer every week. But the storage closet was located between two floors in a stairwell in a back corner of the building, and so there was no way to like get carts all the way to the storage closet, and so we had to carry like full-size PA speakers up flights of stairs every, every week, and I started doing stretch on Sunday mornings before I came to church so I didn't pull a hamstring before I preached. Like, the setup thing can be actually quite cumbersome and it can suck up a lot of volunteer labor and it can be really nice to not have to set everything up. It can be nice to have stability when you're, you know, using temporary rental space. Sometimes it's the case that that place was already booked by something else for a certain day and then you got to mix it all up again. And then people are wondering, where's church this Sunday? And if you didn't read your email, you might show up at the wrong place at the wrong time. So it's nice to have some stability. But practically speaking, like, to have a home costs a lot of money usually, too. It's just like a reality, right? There's also some philosophical, theological, spiritual tensions around church and buildings. Uh, for example, Jesus says to his friends, the Son of Man has no place to lay his, his head. And he seems to be talking to disciples who are hoping that following him will lead them to a kind of stability that he's not sure he can offer them. He seems to be saying something like, you know, something kind of nomadic and open-handed about following him wherever he leads you. And if you're looking for too much stability, you might be making an idol out of that, and I'm gonna lead you out of that, right? Um, on the flip side, there, there's uh, the sense that, um, that our encounter with God is located in place and time. That uh, if you read through the scriptures, like you discover um, that the Bible is actually quite obsessed with place, like the land. Uh, the tabernacle, the temple, um, there, there's a real sense that place matters for our encounter with God. And that to know God is to not know God abstractly and divorced from place, but actually to know God within 
place. Um, at its worst, like churches and buildings, the building becomes an idol. The building becomes a bright, shiny object. Church leaders fall to the temptation of, like, if we build it, they will come. Um, pretty soon, church buildings can become the kind of place that suggests that God is more here than God is elsewhere. Right? Like, that this is the place where God is, rather than this being a place where we learn to meet God everywhere and in everything. Um, churches can become a substitute for mission. Or build, buildings, that is, right? Like, you... You sort of fixate on something so concrete and tangible as a building, which is really easy to do because it's so concrete and tangible, and lose sight of the fact that it's just a tool in our mission. And like the actual building that we are called to is, is in, in human lives and hearts, right? So there's lots of tensions there. Um, but I think there are reasons to take really seriously what home is for our church and to have a real appreciation for what those things mean. There's a, a pastor named Eugene Peterson who uh, died at a ripe old age, and I kind of think of him as a sage. And Peterson wrote a memoir about being a pastor. And you get your hands on the memoir, and you're like, cool, like, I'm, I'm a pastor. I want to learn from somebody who's done this for much longer than me and who seems to have done it with a lot of wisdom. And so you get your hands on his memoir, and you open it up, and you're like, for page after page after page after page at the beginning of the book, he doesn't talk about, like, church at all. He talks about place. He describes his relationship to the deep history of the places where he has pastored. He goes into like the geological history of the land where he pastored. And then he talks about like the history built on top of that geology, starting with like First Nations peoples or indigenous people who were there long before the Europeans showed up. And he makes his way all the way to the life of the places where he pastored when he pastored it. And Peterson draws this from the Bible saying like, you don't get to read the Bible and think that to know God is to know God without a sense of place. Like the place like really, really matters. Um, Anthropologists work on this idea, and anthropologists have sort of developed the language of space and place, and they've argued that not all space is place. And they would say space is this kind of abstract thing that can kind of happen anywhere, but place is more special. They would say that um, there's a lot of space being created these days that's not place. And they would say the thing that makes place place is uh, these three categories in particular, history, identity, and relationship. That place is forged through history. And it has a way of kind of t speaking to you about who you are. And it has its own sense of identity. And th that place is sort of inseparable from, from relationship between one another and with, with the place. Like you develop a relationship with a place, right? And they would say that like space, as an example they would point to of space that's not place. And this isn't like a judgment, but they would say like big box stores. You know what I mean? Like you know how you can like walk into a Home Depot or a Walmart like in any like area of the country, and like once you walk in, you would have no idea where you are, except that you're in a Home Depot, right? Um, that's like non-place space, but place is something different, and it grounds us, it roots us, and it reminds us that our encounter with God is lived in a real context, in flesh and blood. And anthropologists say that a sense of place is actually very important for human flourishing, which perhaps is one more reason that the Bible is obsessed with place. Where are you, and what's the history that predates your time in that place, and what is the land, and what has happened before you? And the interesting thing about Southland City Church um, uh, being here at Studebaker is that we got grafted into a, a sense of place that predated us, and it's been really wonderful, right? Uh, like, we're a young church. We only have a few years of history in our entire existence. And yet, the minute that we found a home here at Studebaker, we got sort of grafted into a sense of history and identity and relationship that predates us, but we get to be a part of it here. And I think it's one of the reasons that we have flourished here, not just like 
individually or as a community, but in our sense of calling. I think our, our work has flourished here at Studebaker. We've gotten to not just use this place for Sunday mornings, but we've also gotten to share it with all kinds of partners here in the community. And this is a little part of the life of this room and this place that may be less visible to you if you're only here on Sundays. But as an example, here's a, a sampling of a number of different community partners that have used the space that you're sitting in right now since we've been here. Uh, Habitat for Humanity, a group called The Traveling Good, uh, Idea Week, which is a, a big sort of event in partnership with Notre Dame, uh, Hope Ministries, our neighbors and um, family members right around the corner here, uh, and Focus, Empower to Connect, United Way, the South Bend Port of Public Safety, uh, when looking for a place to have a really high-stakes meeting with the community about how our police department is overseen, this is the space where that happened. And, and it really means a lot to us that this place uh, would be a, a place for those kinds of things, too. Um, however, let me put a date on the calendar for you. Let's put this on the screen. 14th of June, 2023. This is uh, a little more than a year and a half from now. And that is the end of our lease. Yeah, so we, we're renters here, and uh, we have a lease, and the one that we have right now expires on the 14th of June, 2023. Uh, we are renters, and I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that. Um, renting's been really good for us. Uh, when we came into this building, like, this space hadn't been touched since 1960s, like I said, and it was, uh, a technical term, is very, very gross. We got the pictures. Um, when you walked in here, like, it had been like very, very run down. It spent 20 years as a machine shop for Studebaker, and it took on all the patina of a machine shop, and then it sat here largely sort of um, unused uh, for a very long time, and it um, went through the decay that happens in a space when it just isn't used for a very long time. But of course, you walk in here and you don't see all that. You see a, like a beautiful, clean new space, right? Like bathrooms that work right, like nice clean kids rooms and you know, heat and air conditioning and lighting. And here's the thing, we didn't have to come up with any of the capital for that stuff up top. Like think about how much money it would have taken to just like take this 1960s space and renovate it top to bottom. If we were like owners, we would have had to come up with all of that on our own. Instead, uh, we entered into what's been a really meaningful partnership here with the development and we just signed the lease and then the development took on all that upfront cost so that we could have this space. So there's a lot of upside uh, to the renting game in the short term. But let's talk about the long term when it comes to renting. Uh, let me put some numbers up here on the screen. Our annual budget as a church this year is $744,349. And our annual rent is 208000 of that number. Uh, I know these might be new numbers to you. If you haven't looked at our annual reports, they might be new, although you should look at the annual reports. Um, and I don't know if you have a lot of context for this, but I will say that, that number, $208,000 a year in rent, from what we understand, that's actually a really good deal. And the reason we think that is we work with like, commercial property experts in the area, people who know real estate around here for commercial purposes, and they've told us that the price per square foot that we got here is a really good deal. So I know that might seem like a big number, but I'm really proud of the process that we went through to decide if that was wise. And I think um, everyone that I know that knows more than I know about this kind of thing tells us that that was a pretty wise move for us to make at the time. However, because we're renters, that number doesn't end, right? Uh, our current deal hikes the rent 2% every year, and with no end in sight when you're renting, you end up playing out a situation here, next slide, where let's say you start today, and you forget about all the rent that we've already paid, and we just keep paying rent with that 2% hike per year. By the year 2033, 
We'll spend $3,053,000 on rent between now and 2033. And between now and the year 2043, we end up paying almost $6 million in rent. Yeah, I know. The look on your face, that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, you, and I've been looking at this for a while, and I still have that look on my face. Yeah, and here's the thing. If we keep paying rent, by the year 2043, we paid $6 million, and there's no end in sight, right? Um, I have uh, been a homeowner and a home renter in my adult life. I'm a renter right now, and I love the fact that there's a lot of things that are not my problem. But there is that feeling every month when the rent check goes out, and you're like, where did that go, Right? And, like, did it build anything in terms of stability for my future, right? Um, so these numbers are kind of painful, and we, we should feel some of the pain of all of that. All that being said, this is why when we look at 14th of June, 2023, we've been wondering about whether there would be a way to become owners of a place rather than renters. So rather than, like, re-upping for more renting at that point, uh, we've been thinking about the possibility of, of owning, and if we're going to be owning in the year 2023, we have to start working on it now because these things don't happen very quickly. So one thing we are doing right now that I want to let you know about is we're working with like this development with Studebaker and like with our partners here to explore whether there would be ways to own in this development. Um, those are like really active conversations that we're diving into. Uh, they don't, those conversations don't always move quickly and there's a lot of moving pieces, right? Not just on our end but on the end with the development and the whole kind of master site plan for this place that we call Studebaker or the Renaissance District. Um, so we're working through the possibilities there, and if anything emerges from those conversations that seems like it would be a good move for us, then we're certainly going to talk about that. However, in the meantime, while we're having those conversations, we've also been exploring another way of owning a place that we could call home, and we've spent a number of months working really, really hard to understand this, and we've gotten to a point in the conversation where it's just time to let you know what we're thinking about and, um, and deliberate it together to just like let you know how far we've come and let you know where we might go next and then like to talk about it together to see if we as a community think that this is the right thing for us to do. And so um, before I really show you what it would feel like to be there, um, let's just kind of take a journey through the neighborhood here and uh, show you where we're going in theory. Um, you're looking down right now on, on the building that you're in right now, Studio Baker 112. The train tracks, which we often hear during church, and we've come to feel quite fondly about that. Uh, the train tracks kind of remind you that this was an industrial place first, right? That a lot kind of comes and goes through this city on those, on those freight liners, right? Uh, just north of us is the South Bend Cubs. Sometimes in our Thursday night gatherings, we've been interrupted by the foghorn that blows when they score a run, and we love that. Nothing like interrupting a sermon to say, go Cubs. Uh, I don't know if you know this, by the way, South Bend Cubs have something like quintupled their annual attendance uh, in the last like five to seven years. And if you've been at a Cubs game, you know that that's become a real hub for community life. You don't even have to like baseball to enjoy a game there, right? If you like hot dogs, beer, or kids running around having a good time, you're happy to South Bend Cubs game. And I think more and more of our city has figured that out. Um, fireworks are a real treat there, and they kind of bring an era of celebration to the whole city, right? Uh, here we're kind of moving uh, north and then over to downtown. And, you know, downtown South Bend used to be a place that was primarily known for people trying to get through it, right? Those big one-ways that kind of turned into many highways downtown. And one of the really beautiful things that's happened in the last few years is I think more and more people have decided and discovered that, like, downtown South Bend isn't a place to get through. It's a place to go to. It's a place to, like, experience um, our community's life together. A downtown at its best, when it's doing what it can do for us, a downtown is a meeting place for all these different parts of our city, different people from different neighborhoods and different experiences and backgrounds all sort of colliding together in a downtown place. 
And I don't know about you, but I feel like quite fond when I see this fly over downtown. And uh, this is also meant to give you some context for like, if you leave Studebaker 112 and you go north a little bit, just up Lafayette, um, you're going to discover uh, another building that was built in the 90s that's actually been vacant since the early to mid-2000s, and it's the printing press building of the South Bend Tribune. So there on the right is the old part, the office building of the Tribune that was built like 100 years ago, but on the left, the corner that you're facing right now, that's the printing press part of the building. It was built in the 90s uh, for a big expanded printing operation, and then the internet happened. And then local newspapers around the country discovered they did not need as much printing capacity as they had just created. And so my understanding is sometime in the early to mid-2000s, uh, the South End Tribune outsourced its printing operation. And that building's been vacant since then. It's just been sitting totally empty for something like, I don't know, like 16 or 17 years. And, um, and this is the possibility that we've ex been exploring because we might be able to buy the building and make it our new home. We don't know that we can yet, but we've been in conversations with uh, the owners and we've been exploring this. And I wanna show you a picture of what this would look like. Now, a couple of notes before I show you what it might look like. First of all, you're gonna see that we've done a lot of work on this, like a lot of work on this. We've spent money and consulted with all kinds of people. We've looked at mechanical and electrical and architectural stuff and code analysis and feasibility study. We've done a bunch of this stuff. And I do wanna make sure that you don't feel like left out. Cause sometimes if you find out that a process has been going for a while and you haven't been a part of it, that can feel a little like not great, but we felt that it would be, like, frankly, like, very irresponsible to dangle something in front of this community that we hadn't vetted first, right? And frankly, like, if this isn't what we end up doing, but we end up doing something else, you can count on our team putting in the same kind of due diligence on any other possibility that we've put into this because we don't want to waste your time or your money or your energy or your hopes or your dreams, and we only want to put things in front of this community that we have vetted first. And so we've done a lot of vetting on the possibility of what it would look like to make the South Bend Tribune Printing Press building our home. Now, I want to show you what that would look like, but this is a little bit tricky, too. We've got these really beautiful architectural rendings. Uh, they're, they're, like, they're really exciting. Um, they, they look really wonderful. But since we don't know if we're doing this, we really wrestled with whether it was like f fair like emotionally to like put this in front of the community. Because like, you ever like gone home shopping? And like you're on Zillow and like once you start just meditating on those pictures, man, you were locked in, right? And you start dreaming and then like it doesn't happen. So we don't want to do that to you, but like we owe it to you to show you what it would look like, right? And, but like we don't know if we're doing it. We don't actually know if we can acquire it. We, it's not like we have a purchase agreement with the owners of the building. We've been talking with them about it. And we don't know if, um, if this is the right thing for us until we hear from you. And so I need to give you something to react to, because if I don't give you something to react to, then I ask you, what do you think? You'd be like, well, what do you have, right? So I need to show this to you so that you can react to it. Um, but here's, here's what I want to ask. If I'm going to show you uh, the way that we've been dreaming about this building, I need a promise from everybody here. So if you would, raise your right hand and repeat after me. I promise, I promise to, remember to remember that this is a possibility, possibility. not a plan. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, that being said, can I show you the possible? I'm going to talk you through what you're going to see. This is a, a, a drone fly-through of the building. In each part of the building, you're going to see the building as it is right now. And then you're going to see an animation sort of overlaid in the same space of what it would look like, possibly, if we decided to renovate it, if we renovated it like this. So I'm actually going to show it to you twice because it goes pretty quickly. And I'm going to talk it through as we go. Drum roll, please. All right, let's jump in. We start in the loading dock area, which would become our front door. 
this is right along Lafayette, and you can maybe picture that if you've driven by before. Uh, this becomes essentially like our lobby, like our area for social connection and coffee. Uh, there on the right, I love this feature. Picture that wall there on the right with South Bend Tribune archival headlines from the entire history of South Bend to tell the story of our city and re remind us of the place that we are in, right? Uh, in, in this particular version of the plan, uh, the kids' area is on the same floor as the main area, but they actually get like their own hallway. Now we're moving into the part of the building that would become the kids' area. And it's, it's like really good for kids to have their own space. It's actually safer. It makes it easier to make sure that the only people who are back there are people who belong there with our kids. It also means that kids can like have a lot of fun and make all the joyful noises that kids make when they're having a good time without like, like feeling insecure about whether that sound is bleeding into what's happening on the adult side of things. Uh, you'll notice uh, the, our partners who architected this actually like put our furniture in the room, which is kind of fun. And then we move up here to what feels to us like an industrial cathedral. That floor in the, in, sorry, the hole in the floor gets filled in. And so worship actually ends up happening on the second floor of the building in this big room. Uh, there's great elevator access already built into the building, so there isn't any accessibility issues there. And this would become our new gathering area. Uh, you'll see that we've really fought to keep things in the round because that's really a value for us, and we wouldn't want the shape of this space to take that away from us. Uh, lots of daylight, which we love. We don't want like a blacked out room. We want a room that reminds us of the place where we are worshiping. Can you imagine praying for the city, looking out those windows? Um, it's funny, the architects like imagined like a big old jumbotron over the stage, and we were like, no! And so we got that out of the design. Uh, here we want to green this up, because you know, greenery is like another part of feeling welcome and safe there. So we want to soften this up and make a kind of courtyard here. Uh, and again, this would be our front door, and those doors are the same garage doors that we entered at the beginning of the animation. And then here's the other thing. South Bend needs more rooftops. We have beautiful summers, and there are very few places to enjoy them downtown. And so this is like the Cadillac version of the dream, right? This is the, the really luxurious version, but we imagine a rooftop where, you know, like cafe life could happen, or like where weddings could happen on the rooftop during the summer there. Uh, that's the animation. You want to do it one more time? All right, one more time. Let's, let's give it one more time. I'll just kind of let you take it in. I'll see if I forgot anything here. Uh, yeah, here it comes. So again, we're entering uh, through the loading dock area, and this becomes a uh, sort of communal space. Um, by the way, you might be noticing this is a lot of square footage. It is. It's more square footage than we have now. And if, if we were going to do this, one of the next conversations we would want to have would be some listening in our community to understand how this space would be useful for the whole community during the week, so it's not just sitting there empty five days a week, because that would not be our heart. Um, again, here we kind of move into the kids' space where we're really excited about uh, giving kids a great place where they can flourish, but we would also design these kids' areas in a way that uh, would make them kind of multi-purpose, and so you can imagine them being sort of group instruction rooms or being used in other ways during the week. Uh, for kids' space, we really value like windows, not just to the outdoors, but to the hallway, because it creates a sense of transparency and safety. We think that feels better than like taking your kids to a room where you can't see inside. That's just kind of weird, right? Uh, again, kind of large group instruction areas at both ends of the main floor kids' area. And again, here we are entering uh, to the second floor where we would, you know, on Sundays at least, probably have our worship. Uh, the stage that we would put into this room, we'd want to make sure it's modular so that we don't lock the room into one physical arrangement in case there's other kinds of events that could happen there. It could take advantage of a different layout for the room, but this is what we think Sunday mornings would feel like when we're in there. And um, we really want to take advantage of the room as it is. It's got that big vaulted ceiling. Like, let's use it, you know? It's got those big windows. Let's use them. 
They got the rugs, you guys. They actually like, got our rugs imposed in the animation. Isn't that nice? They have the mantras up there. Yeah, thank you. They got the mantras up there. Yeah, yeah. here's that courtyard again. Um, one note, we're, we're aware that things like a courtyard uh, in urban design uh, create some challenges around like, feelings of safety. And so we, we're already working with some people who are really smart about that kind of thing to make sure that however we would design this um, wouldn't create a place that could be unsafe at night, uh, if that makes sense. And then there's that rooftop. The pergola uh, kind of, you're looking um, sort of like southeast there, but that south pergola would also be sort of like the altar place for like a, a wedding or other kind of outdoor event or like a concert or something like that. So that's, um, that's the possibility. It's not a plan. It's the possibility, and that's what we're kind of considering right now. That's the Cadillac version of the possibility too, right? That's how these designs usually start. You always kind of imagine the fullest, biggest version of things, and then you kind of work backwards from there. Uh, we've already been in consultation with commercial contractors to understand like what it would cost to do this. And what we've discovered from that is there's sort of a range of options. If you combine what is probably the acquisition cost that we're still not sure about on the building, like what it costs to buy the building, if you combine that with all the renovation stuff, uh, the high end of this whole project looks like something like five million. I know that might feel like a big number to you, it feels like a big number to me. Uh, the low end is somewhere like two million. But the difference between five million and two million is that we, we change a lot of those designs and we do a phased approach where we probably don't renovate the whole building at, at once, but we figure out what's the minimum necessary renovation to kind of program it for our basic life. And then maybe later in our future as a community, we raise more money to do the rest of the renovation. Uh, if, you, if you take numbers like, like let's, go, let's, go, let's go the big end just so that we're not like faking ourselves out, right? Let's imagine the more challenging financial situation where uh, we go big, but we raise some cash up front from this community over the next couple of years, and then we mortgage the rest. Let me put a couple scenarios for you on the screen. Uh, first of all, let me remind you, I just want to remind you, if we rent for the next 20 years, we're in it for six million, right here, right? So remember that, okay? And then with that in mind, if we look at a 20-year mortgage at 5%, we've got some numbers here. Just so you know, Jay did not do this math, okay? <laughs> we have people who know what they're doing, like people who do commercial banking for a living who helped us do this math. <laughs> And uh, on, the, on the high end, let's see, we combined um, like money raised as a community with a mortgage of $3 million to do a fairly robust version of the project. And we took out a 20-year mortgage for the $3 million, and we financed that at 5%. Our annual payment comes in at $236,000, which is a little more than the rent that we pay right now. Although, reminder, that our rent goes up 2% every year here, right? Uh, and then we end up all together paying $5.2 million on that mortgage over those 20 years at 5%. And then at the end of that, we own the building outright and we're not paying rent and we're not paying a mortgage, right? Uh, and a more modest scenario where we combine money given in real time, like a capital campaign, with a loan of 1.5 million, we end up paying about 118,000 annually in the mortgage, which is a lot less than we pay in rent right now, which means that money gets freed up for other ministry, right? And in the total life of the loan, we pay 2.38 million uh, on the mortgage and then we're done with the mortgage, and then we're rent-free, and we're mortgage-free. Uh, so that's some of the scenarios that we're playing with. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the money, because you ought to know that we're not dumb enough to not consider that, right? But we, we really don't want to start there. We really want to like, hear from you about what this feels like as a possible next step. And so, um, uh, so we want to open up some space to hear from you, and uh, we're going to do some talk back and Q&A today and then the next two Sundays. And so um, when you come to church the next couple of weeks, if you'd like, you're welcome to join us for like a quick uh, 
conversation, maybe like 30 minutes or so after the gathering. We're going to do it after the 9 and after the 11. And we're going to do those up in room 5, which is upstairs, like up there. You can get to room 5 by taking the stairs up to the mezzanine and going across the bridge. You can also get there by the stairs next to the men's room. We also have a lift in the northwest lobby if accessibility is a problem for you, but you want to join us in room 5 after the gathering. And uh, in these talkback and Q&A, Matt Grable and I will both be there. Um, well, it depends on the week, but we're going to be up there um, to answer any questions that you may have, but also to hear from you. Like, we really want to, like, we genuinely want to hear from you and know how this strikes you. Um, what are you hopeful about in this idea? What are you concerned about in this idea? Um, do you see any blind spots that we need to be paying attention to that maybe with your vision we can help see them? Um, we'd love to hear from you. And then you can also just email info at southlandcitychurch.com if you'd rather channel your feedback or your questions in digital form. And then on October 17th, we're going to kind of report back to you on like what we've learned and what we've heard from the family, uh, what we think about all this, right? Now, let me clarify something. This is really important. Sometimes what happens in churches is like the leaders come up with like a vision or a direction or a future, and then they say to the community, like, we're going there, right? And then if people ask questions or have concerns, that gets painted as like disloyalty or a lack of faith. We're not going to do that nonsense here, Okay. Like, if you have questions or concerns, that doesn't mean that you're disloyal or that you're lacking faith. It might mean that you have some wisdom that we really need from you, okay? So please, um, please don't worry that if you have complicated feelings about what I've just put in front of you, please don't worry that, that we're going to judge you for that. We would really like to hear from you on that because that's an important part of our deliberation and that's an important part of the kind of character that we want to have as a community. Make sense? Yeah? Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, we would love to hear from you. Please, please, please speak up. We'd love to hear from you. And it, it helps to hear if you're excited too. Sometimes, sometimes people think, well, if I love it, I don't need to speak up. Well, then that's confusing because then all we hear is the concerns, right? So uh, we would like to hear from you whatever you're thinking, whether it's in the email or in the, in the talk back and Q&A happening starting today. So even right after today, if you want to head upstairs, we'd love to hear from you uh, or over the next couple of weeks. Uh, now, let me, let me give you like one more picture of how we might think about all of this before we wrap it up today. Um, I, uh, when I got my first full-time job, I bought a house. And I'm young, I'm like 22 years old, and I'm really excited to like buy a home to like own my house. And so I bought this house in River Park. And like I, I remember very distinctly the feeling of like getting the keys and, and walking into a house and feeling like, I have a house. It's, I have a home, it's my home. It's not my parents' home. It's not my dorm that the college owns. It's my home, you know? And my friends and I, we get to like live our life here and we can be loud and like stay up late and like it's, it's my home, you know. And that felt really good. It felt kind of empowering. Um, it felt like there was kind of a dignity to that. Um, seasons when I haven't had that, I've felt that it can feel kind of unstable. Maybe you felt what it's like to not have that. But I felt really like excited and happy to have that. But then something happened when I was living there. This trend emerged that taught me that there's something better than ownership. There's even a higher calling, uh, a more noble, more dignifying, more meaningful way to inhabit a place. And it's, it's, it's higher than ownership. Um, and the way that I began to discover this is that people kept, like, popping up and needing a place to be for a bit. I remember one day I'm in my, uh, one of the upstairs bedrooms painting it with my mom. And the windows are open so, you know, we don't get high on the fumes. And, uh, and I kind of, I hear somebody yelling. And I think they're yelling at me. And I look out the window and there's a friend of mine standing in my front yard yelling at me. He doesn't live there. He's, I'm like, this is very strange. So I go downstairs, and I'm like, uh, hey, come on in, man. And he comes in, 
And then he explains to me that he and his wife have just hit a, a real crisis point in their marriage and he needs a place to stay for a little while. That ended up happening a lot at, at my house. Uh, maybe you've had seasons in your like, life with your home where you just discover that you've been given a place that is useful for other people and they need a place to be, like a safe place. And over time, I, I, I actually came to feel that even more joyful than owning my home was uh, stewarding my home. And knowing that, yeah, I, I get to be the owner on paper of this place. Well, me and the bank, <laughs> mostly the bank. Uh, but, you know, I get to be like the owner of this place. Um, but even more joyful than that is stewarding this place. And the difference between an owner and a steward, um, both an owner and a steward have control over a place. But to be a steward is to be in, invited to use it on behalf of something greater than yourself or someone greater than yourself. And to steward a place, I think, is the most joyful and interesting way to control a place, to sort of have, have reign over a place. And I, I know that for us here at Studebaker 112, the heart has been stewardship, which, which is why we celebrate all those community partners that have been in here, right? And even on Sunday mornings, like, like this place's highest purpose isn't that, like, South Bend City Church's brand grows or, like, all of our programs run. This place's highest purpose is that whatever God wants to do in the world, that this is a place where it happens. One of the places where it happens. Not the only place, but one of the places where it happens. And so um, that's why we hope it feels like home to you when you come in here, whether you've been here once or whether you've been here from the very beginning. And whatever we do next, whether we sign another lease here or whether we um, buy in here at Studebaker or whether we buy the Tribune building or whether we land on some other possibility that we're not even aware of right now but maybe we learn about in the months ahead. Whatever happens next, wherever we go next, uh, as we pray and discern and dream and think about this together, I think the frame for us is not so much ownership but stewardship. Just to ask like, wherever we find ourselves and whatever space we control as a family, like, what's the highest and best purpose for that place and how can it be a, a, a safe place and a welcoming place and a healing place for as many people as would want to find their way there. Uh, if you're going to think about this with us, if you're going to pray about this with us, if you're going to speak into this with us, my ask would be that you kind of set your sights on stewardship and uh, dream about a place that, that we would steward on behalf of our neighbors and our community and as a, as, a, as a place or a channel for the life of the kingdom of God in our midst. That's what I got. That's it. Um, we're going to uh, come back to you on October 17th and let you know like, what we've learned from all of you. And if there are next steps to discuss, we'll bring them up then. Um, you know, it might be like, man, we got this wrong. We heard from you and there are so many blind spots that we need to redirect. Or it might be, uh, from what we're hearing, we got it generally right, but there's some nuances here that we're going to add to the plan based on what we've heard from all of you. Uh, whatever we hear from you, we're going to bring that back on the 17th and we're going to take it from there. Cool. Uh, if you're able, will you stand to your feet? Uh, can I confess something to you guys? Yeah, I'm going to say this. I was walking in here this morning. A lot of me was like, dang it, I just want to do the Sermon on the Mount. Can we get back to the Sermon on the Mount? <laughs> I, I love that we get to do big things like this. I think creating space really matters. But just seeing where I'm coming from, I think buildings are necessary and they can even be beautiful. But man, like, I'm really excited to get back to the Sermon on the Mount next week. Um, so consider this, you know, part of what we do, but not the center of what we do. And we just want to make sure that we have a space that allows us to stay focused on the center of what we do. So come back next week because that'll be really fun. And we're going to get into some things that Jesus says to us. That being said, I thought today I would uh, close in like a good old-fashioned prayer uh, for all these questions.
And uh, when I'm done with that, I'll, uh, I'll say grace and peace to you. And then when I'm done doing that, we'd love to hear from you. Let's pray. Loving God, uh, we have been the recipients of so many graces as a community. From the beginning, we have found so many different ways that generosity has made Stop and City Church possible. I mean, generosity of energy and talent and wisdom. And um, to have a home like the one that we are standing in right now has been so beautiful and good for us. And now we just pray that you would make us wise and give us a vision for what's next. I pray that you would protect us from the idols that can come in these dreams. I pray that you would protect us from the distractions that can emerge in these seasons of dreaming. And yet, I pray that you would help us to not be shy, to not be apologetic about dreaming and hoping and imagining beautiful places where a community can flourish. Uh, I pray for those who um, feel especially perhaps unsettled or uncomfortable with all of this. I pray that they would know that, that we want to hold space for that and hear from them. For those who are excited, um, thanks for the joy of what it feels like to imagine the future. Uh, for all the complicated pieces that have to move around dreams like these, I pray for us to see all the right things at the right time and to do things that honor our, um, our aspirations as a community to hold the character that we want to hold. Uh, I pray for our city, God, that South Bend would continue to know that you love her, uh, that all the history of this place would be carried forward in beautiful and redemptive ways and that we would have the privilege of continuing to be a part of that. I pray for our discipline to study the way of Jesus in the weeks ahead and that that will remain the main thing, that we will go with Jesus into the life of God's kingdom, that we will invite you to live your life in us and that we will celebrate the good and beautiful things that happen when we do. I pray these things through Christ. We all said amen, amen. and may grace and peace be with you. Love you guys. See you next week.